0: Somebody can let me know if the mic is working, please. So, <clears throat> got a couple of stories to share with you guys. Oh, God. <laughs> love you know, even in the midst of pain, when you can smile, it's a great thing. So yesterday, um... Can't do it from there. (laughs) So yesterday I had off, my wife had off, and so um, we're like, oh, you know, let's go hang out with the kids and stuff. So we went ice skating. Lasted about 15 minutes. (laughs) That's that's not that's not for me. (laughs) My ankle started killing me. My feet still hurt from 15 minutes of ice skating. So, we left from ice skating, and um, we went to go have lunch there by this farm that we like to go to um, close by our house, Uh, but the farm was closed. So, we ended up going to another place that's just right up the street from there, uh, because Noah wanted to see animals, and uh, down this street, there's basically all animals you can imagine. Um, and so whatever, we're there eating, we're having lunch, and um, I get up with Noah to go, this is big chalkboard inside this, the restaurant where you can draw on the board and stuff. So I'm there drawing with Noah, and my daughter comes up to me, she goes, you have to come and listen to the story. And I said, what's the story? She goes, mom wants to know your reaction. I already knew where this was going. <laughs> So I said, sure. I said, no, let's go listen to mom's story. So we went and sat down. And the story was that my daughter, they had this bright idea after ice skating. They're like, oh, we should come ice skating more often, this and that, and you know, there's great ideas that, you know, that they have. And so my daughter, oh, we should go snorkeling. And my wife goes, yeah, but I don't know how to swim. So she goes, if you give me a life vest, maybe I'll go snorkeling with you. Oh <laughs> if you guys did not get that, a life vest lets you float. It is impossible to go underwater with a life vest. But it gets better from me. <laughs> it gets better because then my daughter has the bright idea says oh but you know all you have to do is just disinflate it and you'll sink oh my God. And i'm like wait a second how would you sink if the life vest is made out of rubber oh my God. <laughs> and my daughter is one of those that googles everything so we're sitting there and she's on her phone i go let me guess you're googling to see if you actually sink with a life vest on. And the answer will be, no, you do not sink with a life vest on. What do you mean though? Like if you did it, you could go all the way down. <laughs> you could, but it doesn't sink you because it holds no weight. It's rubber. <laughs> As you can it's see, dark. the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my afternoon. I had a, a very good lunch and an even better laugh afterwards. Um, because it is truly special um, to be around my wife and my daughter. Um, Their stories and and their, the things they come up with, let's just say that you and I will not come up with. It's it's, it's a special breed, like I call it. Um, But it's good to laugh. It's good to laugh um, even in the midst of pain. It's great. Alexa, can you answer me this question? So we are in the book of Exodus, chapter 35. Um, from this point forward, we're about all, actually almost done with the book of Exodus. Uh, there are 40 chapters in the book of Exodus. And from, verse, um, from chapter 35 on to chapter 40, um, it's going to get a bit repetitive. So today, I'm only going to go over chapter 35, but probably for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be combining chapters because what we're going to read is stuff that we have already read before and stuff that we have gone before over and pretty much dissected it and broke it down. So I don't want to waste too much time and to be able to go into um, the book of Leviticus, uh, which is next. And that is a very harsh book. Yeah. Uh, that is going to be a book with a lot of controversy, um, but hey, we're ready for that, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's not my words, it's the word of God. I'm just speaking it. So we'll we'll get to that um, most likely in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, but chapter 35 of the book of Exodus is called the willing offering, and we'll see in a minute why it's called the willing offering. But again... Before I get into that, like I like to share every single week uh, our podcast, um, for those that may be watching <coughs> online. Uh, we are on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocketcast, Stitcher, and Reason. Uh, we are on 11 different podcasts. Um, I actually just got a message yesterday that we are being heard in South Africa. So uh, that was that was amazing Um, as you guys know we were recently heard in Japan and In England and United Kingdom and I mean we're literally reaching the four corners of the earth So praise God that he has given us the avenue of these different podcasts where you know Some might be used here in the States, but in other countries there are different podcasts So uh, we're been able to be heard in all these different ones Um, And if you'd like to find us, you can find us in One Spirit, Miami. Also, if you would like to sow seed, you can go into onespiritchurch.com, and there you can give your donation, and you'll have an email secured with your donation. So, again, um, we are in Chapter 35 this morning, but I do want to kind of recap the last three chapters because the last three chapters will lead up to Chapter 35. And the last three chapters, I'm talking about 32, 33, and 34, where it was the giving of the covenant— Within the same chapter was the breaking of the covenant. Um, Then came the consequences of breaking that covenant. And then as we learned last week was the restoration. Uh, God is in the business of restoring things because he has a plan and a purpose with everything and with those that he has called. And so he had called this multitude. Um, The plan was not to isolate them. And not take him to the promised land because that was a promise that God himself had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That he will get their descendants to the promised land. And so no matter how they may have hurt the heart of God because what they did was completely wrong. It was obviously against the rulings of God where they broke one of them. Where they made this golden calf so they were worshiping this false idol. Um, God still had to be faithful to the one thing that he has to be faithful to, and that that is his word. That is it. The one thing God has to be faithful to is his word. And so he had made a promise to the multitude to get them to the promised land. And so this last chapter, chapter 34, he says, okay, Moses had cried out to him. Remember, Moses is the mediator between the multitude and God. And so he said, You know what, Moses? Fine. I have heard your cries. I see your heart. Remember, I spoke about that last week. I see your heart. It is genuine. It is authentic. And so, therefore, your cry I've heard. Amen. And no matter what they've done, because it is completely wrong, I am willing to forgive them because I am that merciful and be able to restore the covenant all over again so they can enter into the promised land. Now in this chapter 35, we see that restoration, we see the repentance, remember that took place at the end of chapter 33, we see the fruition of those things. That's why this chapter 35 is called The willing offering. Because we're going to see now that Moses comes again to talk to the multitude in behalf of God. And we see that he makes kind of like a open invitation. He doesn't judge anyone. He doesn't grab them by the neck. He doesn't grab them by the hand. He makes an open invitation and see who has has a willing heart, a willing spirit to come forward and be part of this travel, this part of this journey. But in the process, be also part of what is being built, which is the tabernacle um, of God. Everything has a time. Everything has a part. We all play a different part. I will go into that in a little bit. But we all play a different part within the body of Messiah. We also play a part within building the tabernacles here on earth amen. that God has said to build amen? amen when God gives us another opportunity and restores something in our life it should always always I can't emphasize that word enough always compel us to give back to him and I'm not always talking about money our time amen. when things are asked to stay after service because things need to get done or when we have an event or when there are just things in general that we ask or that the church is in need of and we see what God has done in our lives, it shouldn't be a burden to do them. It should never be of, man, I have to stay another hour after service. Oh, but I have plans already. Oh, but I don't have time for that. It should never be a burden because if we can just look at our lives for one split second, just one split second and see everything that God has done within our lives, Amen. it should immediately compel us to do that and some for Him. Amen. Because at the end of the day, you're not doing it for us. You're not doing it for this building. You're doing it for God. Amen. Please remember that. Amen. When you do something, you're doing it on God. And as hard as that may seem at times, and as painful as it may seem at times, you're doing it for God. So since this chapter 35, I want to do something different this morning. And so since this chapter 35 is also the willing offering, I would like to actually do our offering beforehand. And I want to ask you this morning, I just want to challenge you this morning to go outside of the norm with God this morning. Because I believe God is going to speak through this chapter to you this morning. And we're going to see the heart of these people and the heart of Moses, which is exactly the same heart we should have and the willingness that these people have, even though they messed up. Because see, this is something that the enemy uses, a tactic that the enemy uses, that when you fall, he makes you stay there. He bombards your mind with lies, and he makes you stay there. And the more you condone those things, and the more you dwell on those things, the longer you stay there. So I want to challenge you this morning. We're going to go ahead and take our offerings before we start this chapter. And as we go through this, I truly, truly pray that this word speaks to you. Please, please have an open mind to what this chapter is going to teach us. Because there's two key factors in this chapter that we all need to learn from. And that is to have a stirred up heart. Listen to me. A stirred up heart and a willing spirit. So let's go ahead and take a moment and let's go ahead and take our offering. If you can go back to this doc, go ahead and deposit your offering in there. When you're ready, you can come back and we'll go ahead and, and start Exodus 35. But I want you guys to think outside the box this morning. Trust God for something outside the box. I think too many times we limit God into what He can give or what we're asking for. And I think if we can just look back on our lives, God always exceeds those things. Amen? Always exceeds anything that we can actually give on to God. What a chapter. Chapter 35 The willing offering. Some some Bibles might say offerings for the tabernacle. Um, When I was studying, it was focusing on the willing offering because it's focusing on the heart. Remember I spoke about this last week. The heart. The heart. God saw the heart of Moses. And that is the reason why God was compelled to reestablish that offering. To restore that offering with the multitude. Did they deserve it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But God saw the heart of Moses. When you're done giving your offering and and your tithes, you can go ahead and open your Bible to Exodus 35. And we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 3. Exodus 35, verse 1 through verse 3. Says then Moses assembled all the congregation of Bene Israel and said to them, These are the words which Adonai has commanded has commanded you to do. Work is to be done for six days, but on the seventh day it is a holy day for you, a Shabbat of complete rest to Adonai. Whoever does any work then will die do not kindle a fire in any of your dwelling on Yom Shabbat (laughs) now I I don't think this chapter could have started more appropriate (laughs) than speaking on Shabbat as we gather on Shabbat to learn about God's word so not only that But again, God is very precise and emphasizes the importance of observing Shabbat. Notice, these are words coming straight from God. If you notice what Moses says, this is what Adonai commanded. This is not what the Jews commanded. This is not what Moses commanded. It is not the Mosaic covenant. It is God's covenant with Moses. And it is God who's talking. Moses is just the voice. God commands. Moses speaks unto the multitude. And he tells Bene Israel, the children of Israel. This is what God is commanded you. Work is to be done for six days. On the seventh day, it is a holy day. Not just any other day. It's not just a day for certain people or for certain religion. It is a holy day. For who? For you. Shabbat is supposed to be a blessing for us. Why do we keep seeing as a burden? It is a blessing unto us because it is a holy day by God. Set by God. A Shabbat of complete rest to Adonai. Whoever does any work will die. Now, I want to address that for a second because I know some of us may work on Shabbat. But that being said, if God is giving you the opportunity to not work on Shabbat, you should try to take that avenue with God. I know sometimes we're too comfortable And I think sometimes we get complacent in what we've been doing for so long that we say, how can I change this now? How can God then all of a sudden shift me to do something completely different? Hasn't God provided for you up to now? If he's opening a new door for you, what makes you think he won't provide for you then? Now, again... This death that the Bible speaks here is not obviously a physical death. It is a separation. We've talked about this before. Whenever we just get so caught up in work and work and work and we make work our God, we are, in a sense, idolizing work. That is breaking a commandment. And so therefore, the the death that is speaking of here, it is a spiritual death, which which is a spiritual separation from God because now we're putting work, now we're putting money over God. So we need to be very careful. Again, I know sometimes we get, we've been involved in in a specific field of work for X amount of years and we say, "I, I don't know what to do now if I were to start fresh. Well, guess what? God will make a way where there is no way. God will open a door where there seems to be no door just so you can observe what's really important to God, and that is Shabbat. Because at the end of the day, it is one of the Ten Commandments. It is one of the Ten Words that God spoke to Moses to give on to Bede Israel. And we're going to see here that he emphasizes here the importance of Shabbat. Notice that he starts the chapter speaking about Shabbat. Because now we're getting to the point of where he's going to repeat about building the tabernacle but even then he's still saying you can work for six days but make sure you observe Shabbat. I know I've told you to build this tabernacle but Shabbat is more important than building that tabernacle. You cannot put work even if it's work for me you cannot put it under over what I have commanded as an ordinance, as a principle as a guide for you to follow. So again, I don't believe this chapter could have started any better or more appropriate than speaking on the Sabbath. He wanted to remind the multitude of the obedience of his word first and foremost over anything he had commanded to build. The tabernacle was a big deal. This was God's dwelling place here on earth. But even then, Notice what God says. Even all of that, I need you to observe my Shabbat. That is above everything else because that is a command that I have given. That is a word that I have spoken. And just as I am obedient to my word, I am encouraging you to be obedient to my word. In other words, if you want to receive the benefits of being obedient to my word. So he's reiterating again to these people the importance of Shabbat. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Complete obedience to God's entire word. It is a prerequisite for doing his work. Complete obedience to God's entire word. Not partial, not most of it, not some of it. Entire word from Genesis to Revelation is a prerequisite for doing his work. If there is no complete obedience, it is impossible to do the work of God. Somewhere along the way, you're going to break something. So we need to have obedience to God's entire word. That is why God starts this chapter speaking on Shabbat. Mm -hmm. Because he wanted to make sure that his people would not break Shabbat just because they had to build a tabernacle. Wow! Complete obedience. Amen? Amen. Let's continue to read verse 4 through 9. Moses, we're going to go fairly fast. Today, today's teaching is not going to be too long. Like I said, these, these chapters tend to get a bit repetitive. Moses also said to all the congregation of B'nai Israel, this is the word which Adonai commands saying this is the second time this is spoken this is the word which Adonai commands saying take from among you an offering for Adonai whoever has a willing heart let him bring Adonai's offering gold silver bronze blue purple and scarlet cloth fine linen and gold hair ramskins dyed red seal in acacia wood, oil for the lights, spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the breastplate. In these verses, Moses declared what God has set in place as a giving principle. What is that? Two things that I mentioned earlier. First, that we should give willingly. That's why this chapter is called the willing offering. Notice that, God, that Moses here says, those who have what? A willing heart. Amen. He doesn't say, you have to give, or I'm forcing you to give, or this is what you have to give. He doesn't say an amount. He doesn't force anybody. He's asked, who has a willing heart? Amen. As if it's an open invitation. Those of you that would like to give unto God, because you see how faithful God has been in your life. Those of you, come forward and give unto God. So the first thing is to give unto God willingly. Second is to give to God faithfully. Willingly, faithfully. I'm going to throw this out there. It's not for anyone specific. When you go on vacation (coughs) or when you're not home, do your bills stop coming home? God has called us to give willingly and faithfully. The same thing is here on this place. Those tabernacles here on earth that God has called to build this place where we gather. Whether we're here or we're not here, the bills still come into this place. It is our duty to sustain the house where we gather we say, oh, God will supply. Him. Yeah, through us. He's not going to come down and say, how much is the rent? How much is the light? How much is this? Here you go. No, he blesses us so we can sustain his house so that we can continue to preach his word and therefore we can be a blessing to others. I don't know if you noticed, but that front room over there is full of bags of clothes, shoes. He has blessed us so we can be a blessing unto others. It is our job, our duty, and I include all of us, including myself, to sustain the house where we come to eat spiritually. Amen. Look what Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Some of us may know this by heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. says, let each one give as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, a willing heart. Nobody's telling you to give anything. Nobody's forcing you to give anything. Those who have a willing heart, let those come and give. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor Adonai with your wealth and with the first of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. First we see willingly, then we see faithfully. God doesn't force anything upon us. And that is the beauty about God. Amen it's always an open invitation because why he sees the heart Mm -hmm. don't we hear this all the time God knows my heart God sees my heart right we hear that time and time again what does he and if he does what's in your heart do you have a willing heart are you faithful whenever he calls you to do something are you compelled to do something for God because you've seen the faithfulness of God in your life. Amen. Or do you grudge or do you complain every time something is asked? Or when tithing and offering comes along, oh, again. No, we should give free, willingly. Because we see the faithfulness of God in our lives. Amen? Amen? But don't miss the first thing that is mentioned to bring to God as an offering. Go well, back to Exodus 35, because this is how we have to read scripture. Notice the first thing Moses mentioned. Let's go to verse, uh, begins to talk about in verse 5. It says, Take from among you an offering for Adonai, whoever has a willing heart, and let him bring Adonai's offering. What is the first thing mentioned? Gold. Gold. Here we see that gold is the first thing mentioned as an offering. This was the very same material that was used to do what? To forge the golden calf. You guys remember, when they came to Aaron, Aaron said, What? Bring me all the gold earrings. I will get everything, we will throw it into the furnace, and I will carve out a golden idol for you, and that will be your God. Notice that God uses the very same thing that was used for bad for good. Oh, amen. Telling those that were part of this idol worship, showing them this that you guys used for bad, now I'm going to turn it around for good because I am the one that gives and takes away. You have this called initially because when you left from Egypt, I told you to go to the Egyptians and take from them because they will give to you how wow. willingly amen so you have because i first gave otherwise you would not have wow. and what he gives wrong, is it for wrong wow yet what i gave you you used to try to use it for wrong but i'm going to turn it around and i'm going to show you what it was supposed to be used for You didn't leave with all that gold and silver and all these other materials for your own good. No, I gave you those materials because I knew what they would be used for Father. later on. Wow. Wow. I never that Again, God turned around for good what was used for bad. Romans eight twenty-eight to 30. We know this verse by heart too. Romans eight verse twenty-eight through thirty. That's with me. Amen. Amen. Romans eight twenty-eight through thirty says. Now we know all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. Obviously a lot of us stop reading there, but we know before that we don't stop reading. We read after we read before. Well, the one before. Not so much where the point that I want to lead as what it says after. For those who he foreknew. Did he you these people? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Mm-hmm. You were for no. Yes. You were predestined to be in the image of his son. Yes. Yeah so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those who he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he justified. Amen. And those whom he justified, he glorified. Amen. What is God just doing here right now from the last chapter? He foreknew these people, right? He had called them. He justified them because he restored what was broken, and those he justified, he glorified. Now he's there on the way to that promise of the promised land. So look how scripture, how appropriate, here we see in Romans 8, 28 through 30, applies to what God is doing with the multitude back in the book of Exodus. This is also applicable for our lives today. He's called you. He foreknew you. He justified you. And those who He justified, He glorified. Amen. It all comes back to the willingness, the faithfulness, not only from God, but from our lives as well. Amen. Amen. Let's go back to Scripture. Exodus 35, verse 10 through, we're going to read all the way to 19. It said, Let every wise-hearted man Among you, come and make everything that Adonai has commanded. Third time. Including the tabernacle, its tent, its coverings, its clasps, its boards, its crossboards, its pillars, its bases, the ark and the poles, the atonement cover and the curtain screen. The table of his poles with all his utensils, along with the bread of the presence. Also the menorah for light with its utensils its lamps and the oils for the light, the altar of incense and its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense, and the screen for the entrance of the tabernacle. Verse 16, the altar of a burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles, and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hanging of the courtyard, the pillar and their bases, the curtain of the gate of the courtyard, the pegs of the tabernacle and the courtyard, along with the cords, the woven garments for ministering in the holy place, and the holy garments for Aaron, the Kohen, the priest, and for his sons to minister as Kohanim. Again, we see the description here that was spoken back in previous chapters in the book of Exodus, when God first described the different aspects of the tabernacle. God is reiterating again, reminding them, listen, you broke a covenant. I restored that covenant. And I'm going to remind you again what you still need to do. Just in case you forgot, I'm going to remind you. You know, we said it time and time again. God needs to remind us because we get spiritual amnesia from time to time. And I mentioned this last week. I said some of us get spiritual amnesia on purpose. As if we don't want to remember things. Why? Because when God makes us aware of something, we are held accountable for that. Mm -hmm. And so since we don't want to be held accountable for it, we try to forget about it so we can say, God, I didn't know. I forgot. I was never told that. Oh no, you were told. You were told. And so therefore the consequences need to come along that because you were told. You were made aware. So God here reiterates this. The, the, not only the outer parts of the tabernacle, not only the outer parts of, of the courtyard and everything that needs to set place, but everything in between again. Everything, all the pieces, the table of showbread, uh, the menorah, everything that will go inside the tabernacle as well. But notice that God says two things in these verses. Number one, he calls for the wise hearted men. This is mentioned in verse 10. Two things. Wise-hearted men and everything that Adonai has commanded. Remember, I emphasize on that because it's being repeated time and time again. When something is repeated time and time again, you want to pay attention to it. So he says, the wise-hearted men, those that have a gift that I've given, those are the ones that I need to come forth to help me in building this tabernacle. Each of us will be held accountable for the gifts that God has given us. When we go before the Lord, that day of judgment, God will ask, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? I wasn't aware of those gifts because you never asked. You know, people say, oh, I, I don't think I have the, the, the experience or I don't think I have the knowledge or this and that. Can we remind ourselves that all that is given by God? Amen. If God calls you to do something, he will equip you for such thing. Amen. Don't get me wrong. It's great to study and it's great to do all these things above and beyond that you should be doing. But God is the one that initially equips you to do those things that he's called you to do. Otherwise, he will not send you to do something because he knows that you can't do it. So he equips you ahead of time for the task that he has for you. So he calls these wise-hearted men, the gifts that I've given you, those are the ones that need to come forth to build this tabernacle. In other words, putting the gifts that God gives us into practice. The second one, everything that Adonai has commanded first speaks about obedience, of course. But also do what Adonai has commanded, what takes takes place here. We work together towards the same goal. God commands to do something. And like I mentioned before, it is our job, all of us, to put the gifts he's given into practice. Working together towards one goal. Amen. What is that one goal? To take the truth out there. Amen. That is the Great Commission. We all play a different part of the body. If our kids, if my kids, I don't put them to work, the body lags in a certain area. If I don't do what God is calling me to do because I don't think I have the knowledge or, or the capability of doing, the body lags in a certain area. If your left leg begins to give, where does your body go? To the left. If your right leg begins to give, your body goes to the right. That is a part of the body. Some of us are part of the legs. some of us are part of the arm, some of us are part of the neck, some of us are part of the torso. Whatever it may be, we have to exercise our gifts in order for the body to move forward. Not lie to one side or the other or backwards or fall on his face for the body to move forward. God equips us in specific areas. Gives us different gifts for us to put it into practice. All working towards the same goal. All being one body, being one. Echad. And these verses, we also see the difference between what Moses built to be in the presence of God outside the camp and what God ordained as his mishkan, his dwelling place. You guys remember a couple of chapters ago, it said that when Moses returned to the camp, he went outside the camp and built a dwelling place to look for the presence of God. But if you guys remember, I said that the presence of God stayed outside the tent, at the door. And so some people say, oh, that's the tabernacle. Wrong. There were many aspects of that that were not the tabernacle. Here in chapter 35, God is reiterating what's to be built. Therefore, the tabernacle, what's not built yet? So what Moses built was more of a temporary dwelling place, a personal dwelling place for him to meet God. It was not the actual tabernacle. Plus, what the multitude was involved in, in building this golden calf, would have taken away too much time to actually build this tabernacle. Remember, this tabernacle and the furnishings were made out of pure gold. Meaning, it was heavy. It required a lot of people to be involved. What Moses built, he built by himself. No one else was mentioned. So therefore, what Moses built could have not been the tabernacle it was more of a personal place to meet God face to face and we spoke about that which is the presence of God on a personal note but just like Moses even though we meet here every single week as a congregation we should also have our own personal meeting place with God Amen. we can come here on Shabbat and Teach, I mean, and and, and, li- and listen to the word of God and learn from the word of God. But we should also have our own personal dwelling place. Our own place where we meet God. And when I mean personal, I mean you by yourself. Not with your spouse. You by yourself. When Moses went out, he went by himself. And when he was outside the camp and what he was doing outside the camp, he said that the people came from outside their tents. By themselves. Never said they came out with people. We need to be made aware of this. Because just as, again, we could gather here in a group every single Saturday. But we must have our own personal place. Dwelling place with God. Amen. Again, Moses gives us a great example of this. Now from verse 11 to verse 19... We see the listing of the tabernacles and all his furnishings. Again, we just finished reading that. They are reiterated over again from what was first spoken back in Exodus 20 21, somewhere around there. Now, we're going to read from verse 20 to verse 29, and I'll begin to close because, like I said, there's not, um, these, these chapters just begin to get a bit repetitive. So they won't be too long. Uh, verse 20 on Exodus 35, it says, Then all the congregation of B'nai Israel departed from before Moses. Everyone departed from before Moses. Everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone who had, whose spirit was willing. Same two things that I just mentioned a little while ago. A stirred heart and a willing spirit, willing and faithful. Those who departed from in front of Moses and came and brought out a offering for the work of the tent of meeting. This is our tent of meeting Amen. as a congregation, as a body. So those that were. Winning Those that had a stirred heart left Moses and brought this offering to Adonai for the tent of meeting for all his service as well as for the holy garments. So they came both men and women, everyone whose heart compelled him. Here we can see it again. Everyone whose heart compelled him. What is it speaking of here? The repentance that took place on the previous chapters. We see the repentance. Now that repentance begins to work inside of them. It's beginning, God, God is working in their heart, it's beginning to do something where now they're seeing, Well, God forgave me, His mercy is incredible. How can I not give back to God? I have a willing heart, I have a stirred up heart, I have a willing spirit, I cannot contain myself. Once you have been forgiven. It is automatically for you to want to give back. Your heart is instantly compelled to give back out of gratitude. Not because you're forced, out of gratitude because of what was given to you. Mercy. That you don't deserve. And so because God has given that mercy, it should compel us to give back. We see these peoples stirred apart in willing spirit to want to just give back. They left the presence of Moses. Moses gave the instructions and instantly they left. And they said, okay, this is what we need, guys. Let's begin to gather. Because they were compelled. Compelled him and brought nose rings, earrings. Signet rings, bracelets, and all kinds of golden Jewels. Here we see again the very thing that was used for the golden calf being brought as a sign of worship towards God. As in willing and faithful offering towards God. Now you tell me God doesn't work in mysterious ways? (laughs) Nothing. Everyone who brought a wave offering of gold mm. to Adonai, everyone who had blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, goat hair, ramskins, dyed red, or sealskins brought them. Verse 24, Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought Adonai's offering. And every man excuse me, who had acacia wood of any use for service brought it. Also, all the women who were wise hearted spun with their hands and brought what they had woven, the blue, purple, scarlet, and fine linen. All the women whose heart stirred them up with wisdom spun the goat hair. All the leaders brought onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and the breastplate, along with the spice, the oil, for the light, for anointing, and for the sweet incense. Verse 29. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing gave towards all the work that Adonai had commanded to be done by Moses' hand. So B'nai Israel brought it as a free will offering to Adonai. Again, we see the compelled heart. We see The stirred up heart. We see the willing spirit. Why? Because they had seen the mercy of God. They had seen the hand of God. Now it was kind of beginning to sink in that everything they had was because of God. Nothing that they had acquired in Egypt because they were slaves in Egypt. So nothing that they came out of Egypt with. Now they're realizing, gosh, you know what? This was for you. <laughs> I didn't have anything. That's right. How is it that all of a sudden I'm loaded with gold, with silver, with bronze, with all these fine linens? Where did all this come from? Oh yeah, you gave it to me at Egypt. Come on. Mm. We come into this life with nothing, mm-hmm. and God gives us everything. everything. Amen. How can we not have wow. a stirred-up yes. heart? a willing spirit and not be compelled to give back unto God. Moses gives us an amazing example by speaking what God commanded and then we see the willingness of the multitude. We are that multitude. We should be compelled to give unto God. And again, it's not always finances, but of our time as well. Up to this point, when God told Moses something, what did Moses do? He ran. Yes. Did Moses complain? Did he ever come up with excuses? I can't do that. No, he ran. Moses ran. Amen. Why does it take us so long for us to run? Mm. Why do we need for God to push us so much? Or sometimes people to push us. God speaks a word, we should instantly be compelled Amen. to run. To run after it. Because we know that before we even get there, along the way, God is providing, God is equipping, God is directing. Didn't he give them direction? Or did we forget that already? Didn't, we, didn't God provide for the multitude? Or did we forget that already? See? Spiritual amnesia. We forget what's important in life. And we remember the meaningless things in life. Oh, about this, about that. I got this, I got that. That comes and goes. Yeah, we leave with nothing. Come on. You come into this world with nothing. You have everything in between because God gives it to you. And you leave with what? Nothing. nothing. So why are you concerned what you buy or what man has given you? Instead of being concerned with the one thing that is eternal that you leave with actually, which is the word of God Amen. and salvation. That is what should be important to you. Thank you. Not material things. Wow. Thank you. It was finally beginning to sink into the multitude. They are realizing, wait a second. Everything I have is because God has given it to us. We didn't have anything. Again, in verse 21, God reiterates a heart stirred and a willing spirit. I want to point out the willingness of the multitude here in these verses because it's something very key. Again, this is how we got to read scripture. In these verses, the willingness of the multitude is mentioned four times in nine verses. From verse 20 to verse 29 the willingness of the heart of the multitude is mentioned four times in just nine verses. It tells us first about the repentance that took place, the incident with the golden calf, but more than anything, it's very interesting that is mentioned four times. The number four speaks of creation. God was creating within his people the type of heart that he has and also wanted them to have. They didn't realize what was taking place. But God was working within their heart after all the mess they did. He was working within the heart to create a heart that longs for him, that was willing for him, that was compelled for him, that was stirred up for him. The type of heart that God has for you that is stirred up for you, that is willing for you, that is compelled to give to you. you, So he was building within them the same heart that he has, yet they had no clue it was taking place. So he was creating in them the type of heart that he has. Also very interesting, the number four is in the Ten Commandments is to keep what? Shabbat. Shabbat. How did this chapter start? Speaking of Shabbat. So since the beginning of the chapter, God was working in a mysterious way with his people because they're still his people even though he had rejected them and told Moses, no, they're your people. They're your mess. (laughs) They were still his people. So since the beginning of chapter 35, by speaking of Shabbat, God was working within them and within their heart and creating a heart that would be willing to do all these things for him and observe this for him because it was for their good. It's not for God's good. It's for our good. So since the beginning of the chapter, God was working within the heart to create a heart that was willing for him and that yearned for him, that was stirred up for him. Without noticing, the multitude through their giving was aligning themselves to God's ordinances and worshiping the one true God of Israel. Through this willing giving, through this willing offering, they were realigning themselves to what God wanted them, to the principles that God has set in place. A person that is stirred up in their heart and has a willing spirit is a person that is knit together with the Spirit of God. Mm, That's good. I'll repeat that again. A person that is stirred up in their heart and has a willing spirit is a person that is knit together with the Spirit of God. Isn't that what is being mentioned in this chapter over and over and over? Mm -hmm. They are realigning themselves to what God initially started with them since He brought them out of Egypt. And even before that, now, by this free-willing offering, by them saying, you know what, we see what God did for us. We, we are compelled to give back to him. They are realigning themselves to the heart of God. So just as we play a part in the body of the church, we also play a part in building the sanctuaries of God. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and read the last five verses. So we're going to read from 32, 35. And we'll finish with that. Then Moses said to Bnei Israel, See, Adonai has called by name, Please don't miss this. Then Moses said to the children of, Ez- of Israel, See, Adonai has called by name, Bezalel. guys remember him, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with the Ruach of God, with the Spirit of God. Remember this? And we said, oh, that happened in the New Testament? Uh Uh-uh. The Spirit happened in the Old Testament. Again, nothing new under the sun. With wisdom, understanding, and knowledge in all manner of craftsmanship, to make ingenious designs to work in gold, silver, silver, and bronze, as well as cutting gemstones for setting, wood carving, to make all kinds of skillful craftsmanship, he has also placed in his heart the ability to teach, mm. meaning he not only gave them, gave him the ability to create or to build, but he also gave him the ability to teach others, come on, even ability come from him. Come he blesses so we can be a blessing. Both he and Oholiad, son of Ahishamah, I'm butchering these names, of the tribe of Dan. Verse 35, He has filled them with wisdom of heart to forge all the works of an engraver, an artisan, and an embroider in blue, purple, scarlet, and fine linen, as well as weaving. They can perform every craft and ingenious designs. Go back to verse 30. Then Moses said to B'nai Israel, See, Adonai has called by name. In the previous chapters, when Adonai called Bezalel in a holy app, it was on a personal note. Now he says, See, for everyone to see. Listen, what we do in private, in due time, comes out to the light. Yeah. This was a good thing to come out to the light. Yeah. He had equipped these men before on a private matter. Now he's bringing them forth in front of everyone yeah. and see, these are the men that I have set my spirit within them to create this tabernacle. But not only that, I have given them the gifts to teach. Amen. So all those who have a stirred apart and a willing spirit and are willing to give, come forth. It is an open invitation for those that are compelled to do work for the Lord. Amen. These are the in- invitations that God is always giving. Always. He gives an open invitation. And only those that have a stirred up heart and a willing spirit are the ones that are compelled to forward. Notice that. Every time something is asked, notice the heart of people. Those that are truly sold out for God, again, that have a stirred up heart and a willing spirit, those are the ones that are knit together to the Spirit of God. Those are the ones that don't need to be pushed, don't need to be asked. They're instantly yeah. compelled to give back. Why? Out of pure gratitude. Amen. Pure gratitude. So we see in this chapter, what was first made on a personal note, God brings out to the light in front of everyone. Those things that God has spoken in a private matter, in due time, God will bring forth to the light. Amen? Amen. So then he continues to say, These men, I have given them the ability to teach, to do all these wonders, and they will perform every craft and ingenious designs. So again, we see the reiteration of all the things the tabernacle will take, the people that now are made aware of who's gonna build it, but also making an invitation of who wants to be part of it. That's why I said that it is our job, just as we are different parts of the body, it is our job to build this up, to push it forward. My wife came across a um, was it like a banner that you saw? Uh, yeah, in um, when our to college. Um, she went with my son to visit a college about a month ago. Or so right, and there was this banner in this college. The, the church of the college. The church of the college, because it was a uh, it was a Christian college, and. Um, The church had a banner outside, and the banner said, I love my church, and because I love my church, I support my church. I love my church, and because I love my church, I support it. I pray this morning that we all love our church and support our church, because this is not my church. This is not my wife's church. This is our church. We are all part of the same body, all part of the same goal to build this up, this sanctuary that God has called to be built here on earth and to make it push forward. So I pray that if you are stirred up in your heart and you have a willing spirit, that you are compelled because you love your church to support your church. Because in a sense, when you support your church, you're supporting what God has established here. Therefore, you are doing what God has called you to do. You're using part or exercising part of one of the gifts that God has given you. And being part of that body. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and stand. Father, we thank you for your